Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I'm a licensed psychologist here in Georgia, and it is time for the tea. Tea Time with Dr. Tarver is a wellness-based podcast. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health provider. Here we are in this last Thursday of November. I know you all are getting ready for those tomatoes and potatoes and yams and hams and all of that good stuff, but we are in caregiving month, and we have encouraged people this month to take good care of you. So we have talked about sexually transmitted infections, breast cancer, election anxiety, and it is my absolute pleasure to end this month with a topic that resonates for all of us because we all know and can appreciate a veteran. And so we wanna make sure that we are giving space to our veterans in this episode as we bring to you the cost of serving veterans and mental health. So let me introduce to some of you and present to others, Mr. Lewis York, who is an Army veteran, having completed 21 years of active Army service. Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. He is the father of two adult daughters and one adult son and the grandfather of three granddaughters. Mr. York is a graduate of Liberty University with a master's in licensed professional counseling. He is a member of several organizations, including Kappa Lambda Chi Military Fraternity, Inc., the Lambda Dream Academy, serving our veterans and mentoring our youth, and the mission continues. He is also a member of Great Mount Zion Baptist Church, and currently Mr. York is a mental health counselor at Transformation Counseling Services in Columbus, Georgia. Welcome to Tea Time with Dr. Tarver, Mr. York. Thank you for having me, Dr. Tarver. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got a lot to get into. We're going to jump right on in. Okay. Now, we know that our veterans um, are experiencing a lot of things. Can you talk with us about what may be some of the mental health challenges that our veterans may be experiencing? Um, uh, we look at a lot of literature. So uh, a lot of literature out there, uh, VA uh, research and what have you. They tell you the predominant ones that, we, that our veterans are facing right now is PTSD and depression, um, especially after this. I and mean, we're still kind of in the after effects of the pandemic. Um, so we've seen the, uh, the incidents and the amount of veterans coming into our facilities kind of spike. Um, but also we've seen it also that they um, isolated as well and have stayed isolated. So those are the two main ones. Um, of course, you, we have MST, which is military sexual trauma. That's both male and female. Um, anxiety disorders. Um, there's a gamut of it, uh, substance use. Um, and addictions. Um, so there's a gamut of them, but for the most part, it's uh, PTSD, depression um, that we get a lot of. Uh, the anxiety, yes, but is a lot of it is the depression, PTSD. Talk a little bit about, you mentioned quite a few things. I know some people are like military sexual trauma. I think you hit them when you said men and women, because I think a lot of times um, we believe that men are not um, sexually traumatized. Uh, right. And so, I, you know, let's go on and bust that myth right up. Um, but also you mentioned post-traumatic stress disorder and depression. Talk a little bit about uh, what that means. Like, what are some of the symptoms of that? What is PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? I know we throw that out around mm -hmm. a lot. What are some things people may be experiencing with mental, I mean, with military sexual trauma? So talk a little bit to, to our audience about some of the things people may experience. Okay, and, and it might jump ahead just a little bit, but I just want to put the, the disclaimer out there. So post-traumatic uh, stress disorder, uh, um, is not a military-only disorder, okay? So um, my, my example is always 
uh, the eight-year-old that saw a car accident um, given six months or more, if she's experiencing the effects of that trauma, she can be, uh, she can be, have that uh, PTSD disorder. But now I'm getting back to the veterans. So what that is, I call it the, uh, the unicorn or that strange animal. It is still being um, researched, it is still being assessed, um, but you got a gamut of things that can happen. Um, what I've come to find out though over the years, um, not only as a, a clinician, but also um, being a veteran myself is that um, the PTSD that I found is not, did not start um, while in the military or post-military. Um, a lot of researchers have looked at and um, has found that uh, we've been carrying that stuff. So childhood trauma, um, uh, other incidents that when you're growing up, uh, uh, being bullied, um, sexual um, abuse growing up, um, drug abuse, um, abandonment, all these other issues. Then you join the military, um, which the theme is to break you down, to build you up. However, this, that psychological uh, part there is missed, is, is not uh, healed. And so the trauma is exasperated or um, the military is a great distraction or, or a way to, um, I would say, positively vent. Um, and so then when we have our veterans uh, exit the military, um, now they don't know what to do with the stuff that they dealt with in the military and the stuff that came before the military. Um, so that's one aspect that's pretty much in a nutshell the PTSD. The sexual military sexual trauma is no different really than um, uh, normal sexual trauma that we hear about in the civilian population. We just call it military sexual trauma because it's happening in the military. Um, and there's different things that um, oftentimes it can be um, sexual or non-sexual, it could be gestures. Um, and yes, uh, there's a high percentage of males um, with uh, MST as well. Um, but again, um, I call it the Western world's way of looking at it. You don't find a lot of males coming forward and just saying, I've been uh, traumatized. And it's not male on male often. Oftentimes um, I've seen it where it's males that have been traumatized by females. Um, so those are some of the things that we're looking at as far as PTSD, sexual traumas. Thank you so much because um, I think it's very important for people to understand that we have a lot of risk factors. Mm -hmm. And so what people don't recognize is we're actually primed for trauma starting frequently in our childhood, in our adolescence. As you said, mm -hmm. it may have come from our families. You mentioned the neglect, not even getting our emotional needs met, not being mm -hmm. able to have loving environments where people see us, value us, tell us that we matter. But also there may be violence that we see growing up, could be in our families, could be in the neighborhoods where we are, could be on uh, the TV screens. There's so much now that we're seeing with regard to video of violent footage of people that's become, uh, we've almost gotten to the point where we're desensitized to seeing these violent images. But you also mentioned the sexual trauma that can occur in families. We know that, mm -hmm. that uh, kids often experience molestation um, and they don't talk about it. And so here we are now, I'm in the military and I'm exposed to some different things that exactly. are compounding this trauma that I've already <laughs> experienced. And I also appreciate you saying, like, let's, let us be clear that women sexually abuse men, males growing up as well as men, and uh, even in the army, and there's some shame that's associated with that that may prevent people 
from talking about sounds like both their PTSD or their military sexual trauma. Correct. Correct. Um, and, and that's a and that's a, a lot of that shame is again is not just pointed towards the MST, but and, and like you said, PTSD. So it's the shame, it's the pride, um, is the trust factor. So um, when trust has already been broken, it's hard to in, to trust somebody else. Um, uh, which where I'm working at, uh, there's a few of us that are veterans, and so it helps. Um, um, to gain the trust of another veteran. Um, it's not always, um, people would think, well, a veteran would talk to another veteran. It's not always the case. You still have to gain that rapport. However, um, what I found is that it's um, less evasive when we can talk and I can understand acronyms, when I can understand where you've been. When you talk about you've been to the green zone, I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, the green zone, yeah, that remember that. And so now that, that, that rapport is there, that trust, we both have something to talk about where we we're now in the same space, so to speak. And so now um, the, the, the bonding can become, the client and counselor bonding can become a little bit more uh, solidified because the gain of trust. That shared experience, if you will. Mm -hmm. We yeah. were talking before we came on about having culturally responsive care, being able to yeah. go see a provider that's going to validate you that you don't have to explain things or feel like it's being minimized. Um, mm -hmm. in a way, but that people can understand where you're coming from. And there is safety in that because we deserve to be in environments that are safe and we're sharing things that are very personal, very right. hurtful, very deep. Because as you said, here I am, um, I have served this country, I have protected, and now here I am feeling like um, I'm falling to pieces and I'm trying to understand why that is. And I've never mm -hmm. had to experience these types of symptoms before. Correct. Correct. And the, the, uh, I, I think when I was doing a lot of research and then again from work, um, if you take a look at the statistics from the Vietnam War, comparatively to our last few wars from Operation Desert Storm, OEF, OIF, Operation New Dawn, uh, it has spiked the number of veterans with PTSD or any type of men, uh, mental disorder has uh, spiked, has increased along with in other uh, disorders. So we call them comorbid disorders. So They've got a, um, some other things going on, along with some medical um, challenges, which uh, either impacts that mental disorder, or that mental disorder impacts that, and, and vice versa. So it's, a, it's almost like I call it a tennis match going on um, with the veteran. Um, and a lot of them are uh, um, distrusting, I don't know if I'm getting ahead, because of uh, lack of uh, positive care. Um, again, you talked about uh, the cultural. Cult, uh, you know, um, there's some cultural disparities there. Um, not just talking about cultural meaning African American, Latino, and all that, but the culture of military, of understanding the military. Um, because a lot um, have come to me and said, you know, I went to this mental health person. And they said that, oh, just get over it, or you know, um, it'll be okay. You just, you're just holding on to it. Just get through it. And and it's hard because it's still a history has been written into the narrative. And so now, how do you help this person uh, rewrite a narrative? Um, that uh, they're, re no, they're rewriting our narrative from the military. And then, oh, by the way, as we're, as we're you know, um, unpacking that, we're finding out there's some other things that have compounded on that prior to the military. So it's a lot to try to just get through or get over. And I think that is uh, 
something that's very important to hear. Like you don't get over trauma, you don't right. get over depression, you don't mm -hmm. uh, get over anxiety. You learn how to manage it, but it's not something that just falls off, that just disappears. There may be times when symptoms are better or worse, but they definitely are still going to be there. Um, you mentioned some of the medical things. So talk about some of the other things that veterans may be dealing with comorbidly. Uh, so a lot of the other medical things uh, that veterans could be dealing with that are comorbid with uh, mental um, disorders and challenges, um, uh, other things like uh, blood pressure, high blood pressure. Um, we've got a lot that are dealing with, um, as you know, the uh, skin disorders, respiratory disorders. Um, there are a lot that have uh, come out with not invisible scars, but visible scars, meaning they're, they're missing parts of their body, um, things of that nature. Um, so it, it, again, that is just a bunch of stuff, cancers. Um, we had a lot of that coming from uh, Vietnam, um, from the agents being used there, but there's a lot coming out of um, our present day conflicts, um, veterans with uh, cancers and also um, uh, sexual disorders, uh, infertility, um, things of that uh, nature. Um, there was a study one time that I saw that show the number of women that exited the army um, that uh, no longer could uh, conceive children. Uh, and so, you know, it could be chemicals, could be the, 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 uh, the lifestyle of being in the military. Um, and so that, that study had, it was a large number. I had done it a few years ago and looked at it and I was like, wow. Um, so there's a bunch of other things that veterans now are trying to be seen for. So if you look at it, you got a veteran that's, that's got a mental disorder and they're, they're probably coping the best way they can. Um, but now they're looking at, and as they're going through the process, they're discovering that I have uh, uh, multiple sclerosis or because we have a lot of that, um, or I have this type of blood disease or, or what have you. And so they're now trying to get help for that. Um, but as we know, our healthcare system is exasperated, especially the VA system. And so it's hard to really get an appointment. And so what does that do? Especially during these past three years, while we were in COVID-19 isolation, um, they couldn't get an appointment. It was maybe a virtual appointment. And so now they're already isolated. They can't get medical care. So whatever mental disorder that they're uh, challenged with, that they're trying to deal with on their own, now that becomes increased. That, it becomes uh, too much to bear. And so I mean, they, go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead, finish your. And so, you know, now they're isolating themselves and don't know how to come out of isolation. Um, the suicide rate spikes. Um, uh, um, substance use of, um, disorder spikes. And so there's a lot of things. Um, and so when they are trickling out, they're having a hard time socializing. Um, now, because again, it's all about the trust. Can I trust you? Can I trust the system? Can I trust the healthcare? And that's exactly where I was going to go because I'm like you mentioned um, fertility issues. Uh, you mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, it's chronic pain. I might be missing limbs. I imagine sleep is all disturbed. Um, mm -hmm. Upper respiratory things. Um, it could be skin disorders. I don't think we mentioned traumatic brain injuries, but I know that that can also be something that people are dealing with. So how do these things affect people in their relationships at work or, you know, just in their activities of daily living? 
when they're dealing with all of these comorbid things as well as mental health challenges? It's a good question. Um, so right now, I know our agency, we're, we're discovering a spike in uh, relationship counseling or couples counseling or uh, marriage and family therapy. Um, and a lot of it is dual military um, or we'll find is one is one of them is a military person, other one's civilian. And so it's, how is it damaging it? Well, again, if we look at what COVID did, um, the isolation, um, a lot of veterans that have gotten out, um, they're already facing, you know, trying to figure out how to um, adapt back into society, how to become a citizen again. Um, a lot of them have you know, although they may have wanted to get out of the military and they're excited about exiting it, but that's all they've known for some of them for 15, 20, 30 plus years. And so now you put them in isolation and now they're in there with their family members. Um, and so this, this thing, uh, this communication issues, um, either lack of communication um, and, it, and, it, and it grows because now I'm sitting, we're sitting here together and we have nothing to talk about. Um, how do we deal with our children? Um, that's another thing, uh, ir being irritated and moody. Um, you talked about the sleep disorders, so sleep disorders. Um, and just not being understood. Uh, a lot of veterans say they just don't understand me. Um, been married for years, but there's a, there's, there's a gap there in the understanding of what that veteran is going through. Um, and even between two veterans, it could be a misunderstanding of what's going through because it's not a cookie cutter what we go through. Our depression is not a cookie cutter. Our anxiety, our PTSD. Um, I always tell people, if you ever watch the movie Vantage Point, um, um, that's a great analogy of, we can all see the same thing, experience the same thing, but based upon um, my background, my development, and all these other circumstances is how I interpret that, that, uh, that incident. And so I'm, one person might interpret it and, and they're okay with it. They can breeze through another one and they're totally devastated by it. Um, and so we're looking at that. What we found is a lot of marriages um, have suffered um, and not just during the COVID, even before that, when the, because of the length of the wars, um, they said that, uh, OEF, OIF were the longest standing wars that we've been through. Um, here you have now veterans that have gone deployed uh, back to back, mostly all their career. And so um, they don't know what their family looks like. And so um, somebody uh, asked me, so well, wouldn't they want to stay home? They would, but when they've become almost, it's almost like a brainwashing. And when they've gone so many times, that's all they know is to go in back into the box. And so the family becomes secondary and their uh, soldiers become the primary family, unfortunately. And I think you bring up some excellent points because I do think sometimes families will, right, perceptions are reality. Families will think you're choosing this mm -hmm. over me, not recognizing mm -hmm. that feels so much more normal to yeah. me than being here with you all. I've missed so much time with you. You have gone on and you have created these memories and had these mm -hmm. experiences and you have structured the household in a particular mm -hmm. way with the order. And so I come back in and I feel like I'm out of place. It's almost like I was in a coma and I yeah. woke up one day and I'm trying to come back and I don't know you all. 
anymore mm. because all this time has passed and I feel disconnected. I you know, may not have relationships with my children. They might've been so much younger um, mm. during these times I left and they've grown up. And so I don't know them. They don't know me. So it feels like a stranger's. In so, deta so, uh, so a detachment has happened. Yeah. And so where you would think that a normal, uh, what we call the normal family unit would be an attaching of some sort is a detachment. Um, I think they saw this during the Vietnam, during uh, the uh, Hanoi Hilton. Uh, I read a book on Hanoi Hilton. And um, although a lot of the veterans that came back, they were going through what they call post-traumatic growth, a lot of them reported that um, they wish they could go back, back into that. And so it, other, you would scratch your head and say, why would you want to go back to that? What became your norm? Your body assimilated to it, and so it became your norm. Your body assimilates to war and it becomes your norm. You, you, you're disgusted by going back and you complain, but that is all you know is how to fight, how to be aggressive. And so now we're stuck in the fight or flight mode. And don't, and it used to be the, the theory when I first got out of um, just turning the switch off, but I've discovered it's not a switch. Maybe at the, at, at the minimal, it's a volume control, mm -hmm. but it's not a switch because mm -hmm. just, you just can't turn it off. It's now how do I control it? How do I stay ahead of this thing? And as you said, there a shift is required because I have a different responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I have to tap into a different set of skills. You mentioned earlier, get broken down, get built back up because mm -hmm. there are a certain set of skills that you need to use here that wouldn't necessarily be helpful in your family, wouldn't necessarily right. be helpful at your civilian job, wouldn't right. necessarily be helpful in your church. Um, mm -hmm. but they're helpful in this environment. And so you're telling me, hey, this works really well and I'm great at it over here, but these are things that are causing conflict with other people in other relationships when I'm not in this environment. So yeah, I want to go back to the place where it works. <laughs> right, right. And then while you're saying that, Dr. Tarver, there's been, a, there's been a lot of work over the years on reintegrating veterans back into the family unit, back into the uh, relationship. Um, but then I'm wondering, I haven't seen a whole lot of work on, on how, um, and we know how the, you know, the, the uh, career counseling came about because of the World War II and all, but I haven't seen a whole lot of, how do I really uh, help this veteran reintegrate back into the workforce? Um, we have a lot of skill sets, you know, um, loyalty, We um, um, pro um, progress, um, um, order, things like that. Problem but, solving. Right. But how do you turn off the, the, ang the aggressive part? How do you turn that off when you're not talked to correctly? When the boss is saying something to you and you want to go off on them and it's, and it's unprofessional in that environment. Yeah. Um, and so I don't think a lot has been done for that um, yet because um, that's where we're seeing some problems at. And a lot of veterans just refuse to say, I, I'm, I can't go back to work because I'm going to lose this job within a day or a week or whatever. Right. Um, and you're right, just, because vocational rehabilitation doesn't actually focus on integrating you in terms of these skills and how do I learn how to turn this off? It just helps right. you get employment opportunities. Right. It just matches you up. Say, oh, you know, you know, woodworking because you did woodworking in the military. So we're going to put you over here. But yeah, I know woodworking, but but I, I've got I've got a lot of anger built up. Um, I've you know, I've got a lot of depression going on. I've got anxiety issues, you know, loud noises. Yeah. You know? 
things of that nature, or or what do I do with flashbacks? And um, I've, I had some um, some some I had I had some issues with um, veterans who had to deal with even their uh, equal opportunity, the mm. HR that didn't know how to really handle them because they were having flashbacks and what have you. And so, how do we handle that? And I don't think they really have a thorough understanding of how to handle a veteran. I mean, you mentioned TBI, um, which is a major factor. They still have the skill sets. Um, I always tell veterans um, that you are not your disorder. Mm -hmm. um, their disorder is just a product of the experiences and the trauma that you went through. Um, but that's how we have to interpret it. But does the rest of society, does the uh, organization that I work for, the corporation that I work for, do they understand it to that degree and, and can facilitate that? Um, you know, maybe uh, kind of pull me back and say, you know, pull that veteran back and, and give them some space. Or maybe they'll have a better fit over here rather than here. Yeah. Uh, so those are the problems that we're seeing now. And I definitely veterans. think in some of our larger cities that have more, like you said, the research institutions um, mm -hmm. that, that have more trained professionals going into the companies and help with that. But in our, you know, and, and, uh, this area isn't necessarily a small area, but it's not mm. large in terms of resources. So right. we are lacking uh, oftentimes in terms of the resources that we have for those kind of integration things that would be more comprehensive. And like you said, uh, and unfortunately, the population here then suffers. Now, I recognize we're going into the holidays. And so you mentioned mm -hmm. a lot of things, these mood swings, um, mm -hmm. being disconnected from people, nightmares and flashbacks, I'm kicking and screaming at night, checking locks and mm -hmm. um, having mm -hmm. my family all paranoid. And now the holidays are here. Mm -hmm. um, and you said the loud noises and all of these people. How may veterans be managing some of these challenges during the holidays? What are some things that they may be experiencing going into this time? Um, I, I think it's pretty much about the same that they, um, the same but we're talking about the negative coping skills. So pretty much the same that they will be using the rest of the year, maybe uh, increasing it now, um, but, but again, alcohol um, and also substances. So both illicit and legal substances. We know that there was a big opioid issue going on for years. And so um, that's the go-to. A lot of veterans will utilize that um, as a numbing agent. Um, as a way to get away from it all. Um, even uh, with uh, marijuana and different things like that, um, they use that um, not so much to hurt themselves, but to get away from reality um, for a bit. And so coming up to this season now, um, a lot of veterans uh, talk about, uh, have the memory uh, uh, flashbacks of, you know, of a, another soldier member that passed away or or an incident that happened while they were deployed here or wherever. Um, and so those things, it's hard for them to turn off. So what we usually do when we bring them in, we allow them to just talk about it, just talk about it. Um, again, most of us in our agency are, are um, veterans. And so it's, it's, it's safe because we're not looking at them strange. Um, it's been said that, you know, veterans use a lot of dark humor. Um, and so whereas <laughs> it may look, um, a bit disturbing or sound disturbing to others, um, usually is, is the veterans not utilizing that type of humor to be disturbing, but that's the way, that's their co way of coping. So it is to laugh about it. 
Um, and so allowing that veteran to be able to vent um, so they can be feel safe, um, get it out their system. Um, but right now we're probably seeing a lot of isolation. Uh, again, we, uh, when we talked about earlier is uh, a lot of relationship conflicts, um, communication uh, challenges, um, empty nesters as well. Um, and so all those things kind of exasperate and uh, impact um, the veteran right about now. So uh, my, what I always tell a veteran is always have a buddy. Um, in the military, we're, we're taught, you know, always have a battle buddy. And so definitely now have that battle buddy at, at um, three to five. So three to five people that you can cl call close confidants, that you can talk to, that you can sit by the what we call the campfire and just chop it up and talk about it. Um, sometimes um, in my sessions, that's what they do. Uh, some sessions is not about um, their diagnoses or anything like that. Sometimes they just come in, they just want to talk. And so I let them talk, talk until they get tired. And then, and then we, we kind of do a check on them and say, okay, how are you feeling now? I feel much better, good. Because that's what we want you to, we want you to be able to leave out feeling better, being able to tackle the day, not like you're back in war, um, not out of anxiety, but as normal as possible. Um, remember when I first started going to counseling um, versus going to somebody else, the, the guy that I had was a prior service. And he told me, he said, no, you're not crazy. You just have a new normal. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I took that phrase and I understood exactly what it meant. It's a new normal. Yeah. So now how do I utilize that new normal in the rest of society? And that's a good point because, I, you know, periods of adjustment, right? Being able to transition. Mm -hmm. uh, we often say the word pivot. When we're talking mm -hmm. about, um, like, I, so I need to learn to move in a different direction because, as you said, some of my battle buddies didn't make it. So I may have some survivor's guilt I mm -hmm. might be dealing with. Um, there may be people at the family gathering that I've uh, had some conflict with because I did get enraged and irritated when they said right. something to them. So I cussed them out last time uh, right. we saw each other. So everybody is wondering if I'm going to be explosive uh, when right. I'm here or maybe. Somebody came up behind me um, and I jumped and went to defend myself uh, wow. because it, it took me back to this place, uh, mm -hmm. you know, where I had a flashback. And so I, I had to come back to, oh, okay, wait, this is uh, Auntie uh, Belma. This isn't um, me being somewhere serving, right? And so right. as you think about four veterans who may be considering whether or not they want to go to someone's home for the holidays, mm -hmm. what would be some recommendation you might have for them? Well, we, um, so we talked about negative coping skills. So the positive coping skills, uh, of course, are mindfulness, um, uh, grounding techniques, um, um, different things like that. So um, I kind of do almost like narrative with them and find out what what makes them happy, what what places make them happy and things like that. and. If they tell me like being on a beach, I'm like, okay, so on your cell phone, make your, make the uh, screen uh, that picture. Um, myself, when I usually go somewhere, depending on where I'm going, I bring my, my headset with me. I, I, I may not be listening to anything, but um, I got it on my ears. Um, we used to give out the bands so they could pop the bands. Um, breathing techniques, um, uh, using breathing. Now, I use, use breathing with the five, four, three, two, one. 
um, techniques. Um, so I have them breathe and I tell them, okay, five things that you can, you can touch. I think it's touch first. Um, and so I said, by the time you finish them five things, you can touch and explain them to yourself in your head, you'll be tasked out. And um, some of them are leery about going, like you said, on uh, thumb. So I said, okay, prior to that, why don't we do something small? Why don't we go to the dollar store and just walk in? You don't have to go down the aisle, just walk in and, and, and challenge yourself for 30 seconds to stand there. Or, you know, just go on to Starbucks or something like that, something we call low key. Um, for those that gotta go do shopping because they're, you know, they're in a family and, and the wife um, or my or husband may say, hey, I need you to go shopping. Uh, well, I can't deal with all those people in there. They go at a certain time. Um, but now, you know, Walmart is not 24 hours. So um, I may say, okay, go down an aisle and just, and if you see somebody's in that aisle and you're not feeling right, then go down another aisle, come around. And then if that aisle is clear, then go there. But don't, um, I try to get them not to allow that thing to defeat them, but get ahead of it. Um, and so we do it in small portions leading up to it. Um, a lot of, it's, I've made a lot of progress with them. Um, another tool I use with that is journaling. Um, I tell them to journal your feelings, journal it in the raw, just like uh, 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 someone that would produce a movie, it, they would write it out in the raw, uh, unedited uh, with grammatical errors, cuss words, everything, write it out mm -hmm. and don't erase it, don't get rid of it. And then journal again the next time you go through that thing uh, in the next event, in the next event. And now you can look back at your progress. You can find where you were stuck at um, and things like that. Um, I like what you said, if they go back and, you know, Auntie Thelma's like, oh, here he come again. He about to explode. Um, well, they only know you from an external part. And so the biggest thing we teach is self-awareness of yourself, understanding who you are gaining an identity. Again, uh, what you did is not, and what happened to you is not who you are entirely. I went to a, um, this um, organization called Warrior Path and they, they uh, teach post-traumatic growth and they taught us about how the Spartans, um, before going to war, they used to go through the labyrinth. And so in the labyrinth, when they went into the center of it, because it's one way in, one way out, they would leave the family stuff there in the middle mm -hmm. and then walk back out. Now they're prepped for war. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, that's metaphorically, you know, realistically, but what it did for them, it was a mind thing. And if I can, if I can control those feelings, those emotions within me and kind of, uh, you know, we, it's not, not a, a good thing to say, but compartmentalize because mm -hmm. I have to at this point, mm -hmm. time, mm -hmm. then I'm, I'm fit for war. They would do the same exact thing coming back from war. They would go back through the labyrinth and drop everything there, mm -hmm. and now go back within um, and into the population. Um, and that's why a lot of them were called citizen soldiers, or you know, because they were able to kind of make that difference. It doesn't take away from their skill set or what they learn. What it does, it gives them the upper hand on the memories on controlling and having emotional regulation versus emotional dysregulation. Um, so now they're able, better able to handle what they feel, process it, um, be slow to speak, so, sort of. So if something happens, if something pops, they're able to sit there, okay, I'm using my skills, I'm getting my situational awareness, my bearings, okay, that was just somebody dropping a, a thing of AIDS. Okay, I'm good. 
you know, and even even being okay with saying, hey, I am um, um, it's too much sensors. I'm I'm over sensitized. I think I'm using the right word. So I need to go sit down for a while. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay. Regain who you are. Regain yourself. Um, refresh yourself, and then come on back into the crowd. Um, so so I didn't hear. Things. I didn't hear in there at all any avoidance thing. So what you all of those. Mm-hmm. were active coping strategies active, yeah. and so like we know that when we use substances that's an avoidance based mechanism mm-hmm. when we don't go and see people we avoid the stores we don't right so these mm-hmm. are mechanisms where honest what ends up happening is instead of me getting more sensitized desensitized to something i'm actually mm-hmm. heightening my hypervigilance and so right. i actually make the trauma worse right. make the responses worse because i never teach my body how to calm down and so the Correct. techniques I heard you saying were like, these are calming things, the breathing, the grounding, which is like, let me connect with what I see, hear, feel, taste, touch. Mm-hmm. Um, those are what bring me into the awareness of this moment. And so right. I'm able to be present and recognize like, oh, okay, I perceive that as a threat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't actually a threat. So right. now I can adjust and respond accordingly instead of being reactive. Correct. Now we we do talk about avoiding. There's some things we need to avoid. You do need so, to avoid something. So so sometimes because of the aggression, mm-hmm. um, you, you might enter an area where you hear two people arguing or something. And so now I, I want to get in the middle of it. But the the problem with that is getting in the middle of it. Do you know how to stop yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, or I have some that would say that some uh, on their job they were. They were mistreated, mishandled, mm-hmm. um, or even if they go to a doctor's appointment and the way the doctor or the nurse would um, respond to them. Mm-hmm. And immediately, immediately they go into the aggressive mode. Immediately mm-hmm. they go into wanting to defend and then next to attack. Um, and so now we have to use the calming, but now how do I avoid this? So I might How do I say, stop it from escalating? Right. So mm-hmm. I might need to say, hey, I, I need to leave for a moment. I got to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Doing something to get out of there, give yourself some space. Otherwise, you'll want to sit there. You'll want mm-hmm. to because it, it feel, it's a feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, you're ramped up. Yeah, and get I'm that back rage back. Yeah. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And so how, when that rage is up, um, a lot of veterans, they, they complain that, what do I do with all of this? I said, well, in war, we, we have something to do. We we either you use your weapon or you you did something to the expel release. that energy. Mm-hmm. So what do I do now? You're telling me I can't expel that energy. I said, no, you you can't. So what do I do with that now? Um, and so we tell them some things like maybe um, going to learn boxing, um, exercising. Um, and But we tell them to do that within a means and balance based on their, their medical conditions and things like that. Because again, Oftentimes we don't know how to turn it down, mm-hmm. and so we're we're exasperate those medical conditions because we're trying to do so much or or become workaholics. Um, we got a lot that will do. They support everything, and they do a lot of work, um, but they never engage themselves. I got a couch in my office, and I always tell them, "Have you sat down with yourself and had a relationship talk with yourself?" They they have a talk and support everyone else, but they won't and don't find the time to do it with themselves. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's a main uh, challenge that I find with a lot of veterans, um, yeah. is taking that time to sit with yourself, to sit in yourself, 
-hmm. and and a lot of more uh, it's a fear yeah. of what they're going to uh, experience and what and so we allow our office to be that place if they don't do it nowhere else we allow our office to be that place where they can do it yeah to express those feelings like you mentioned before like let me talk about what's actually going on with me instead mm -hmm. of getting busy and not actually attending to myself, distracting myself by focusing on other people, not mm -hmm. focusing on myself. In order right. for me to heal, yeah, it's uncomfortable. Um, you got to hurt to heal. And so being able yeah. to talk through these uncomfortable things, I heard you say before, sharing with family members, hey, mm -hmm. um, so these are some of the things I have going on. I need to take a little moment. I'm overstimulated. Um, right. Or, hey, please um, make sure you announce yourself. Don't just come up and touch me. Don't walk up behind right. me. Um, right. You know, call my name first so you can orient me to your presence so I'm not mm. startled right. when you're there. And what are some things that families and friends and coworkers can do to be supportive? Of so that's, that's a good question. So there's a lot um, I've watched over the past decade or two. There's a lot of programs out here. VA, um, if you go on their website, they have a, a plethora of different trainings that the family members, they have it for family members, clinicians, and for the veterans themselves, they can go through video training. There's brochures. There's a whole lot of psychoeducational uh, tools out there. Um, but there's also different organizations such as the uh, Wounded Warrior Project um, for post 9-11 veterans and or their caregivers' families. Um, Warrior Path was another one. Um, so there's a lot, and those are just a few. There's a lot of resources out there. If you just Google it, um, they're out there. Um, even on your military installations, usually if you go to by the, I think they still call the Family Life Center. Um, there's some there. I know at our office, um, usually if we're if, if I'm dealing with a uh, a couple and only one of them is a background in the military, I would uh, usually start off a little bit clandestine. I would start off with kind of because uh, uh, I find that a, a lot of the uh, a lot of the the conflict is uh, a misunderstanding or or the perception of the other one's uh, job uh, or what they're going through, and so use that time as as, as an educational time. So we pull up a video or we have um, some uh, some other tools and materials to kind of educate them on it. Um, again, this is. The education is not an overnight thing. Um, it's a process of, of really understanding the person um, and things of that nature. Um, but that's really what we would do for them. But there's a lot of resources, much more than before out there. Yeah. I dropped some of the ones you emailed me in the, mm -hmm. in the chat. Um, right, and, and I right. know that uh, oftentimes it is um, that lack of understanding that mm -hmm. leads to some of the miscommunication. Um, and, and I also recognize that it's, like you said, it's that shift from you being in an environment where language that you use, um, mm -hmm. the way that you handle things, like you said, more aggressively, um, you know, that worked for you, that kept you safe, that kept order, that kept structure. But then, mm -hmm. you know, part of the challenge, I think for families and friends and loved ones is like, that feels like a lot when you're giving it to me. And so I don't often know how to approach you or what to say or what, you know, so it, mm -hmm. so either we're going to escalate together right. or um, I'm going to get to the point where I'm just going to avoid you. And right. I'm hearing you say that there is space for us to understand each other and right. be able to address these things in ways where we don't have to avoid each other as a way we deal with it. 
And, and so it is a lot. Um, now, when I talk to uh, couples in particular, I definitely uh, utilize the journaling technique. Um, and, uh, and what I do with that, I have them do uh, separate journals and to journal their feelings. And then um, you try your best not to have them discuss it outside of it, but I, I, try to, I challenge them to bring the journals in and we, I, I call it the vomit, I call it the vomit effect. I, I want them to pour it out there. We're not judging nobody, it's our, per our perceptions and our feelings and those are uh, viable. We don't step on each other's feelings. Um, but I tell them your feelings oftentimes is your, uh, your emotions um, plus whatever other stuff you're dealing with that could probably have a skewed vision of reality. And so we do a lot of putting your thoughts on trial and we utilize that in it. So we have them utilize their journals and then we throw it all on the table and say, okay, rather than finding what makes us so separate, make, what makes us so divided, let's find, even if there's a handful of things, the things that would connect us, let's find the connectivity. And when we find that, then we, we pour into and we invest in that. Um, and then I let them know, yeah, it is a lot. It's a lot dealing with uh, trauma. It's a lot dealing with trauma uh, compounded with medical issues and doctor stuff and all this. And then we still got to deal with children and, and who's going to cook and who's going to pick up little Ricky from baseball. And so there's a lot. And I said, well, we're going we're gonna to eat this thing one piece at a time, a little bit at a time. Um, just as it was a process to get here, it's going to take a process to undo some things and kind of together rewrite this narrative um, of how we want it to look. Um, and it's not, it's not going to be perfect, but we're working our way towards a, perf a perfection so that we can learn how to communicate. That's the biggest issue, communication. So when we are recognizing that uh, someone we care about may need some therapy, because I do understand that you're we're talking as if veterans are all in therapy. We know that not all veterans are in therapy for various reasons. Um, so when we're recognizing some of these challenges, what are some strategies you, uh, you would recommend for people who want to talk to a veteran in a supportive way about getting some support? Um, listening. Basic. Um, basic. You don't need a college degree for that. Just listen, just sit there and listen. Uh, oftentimes that's what a veteran wants you to do. Just listen, don't judge me. And that also means how I look and it, what? none of that. Just listen, just listen to the veteran um, and be supportive in that nature. Um, and then maybe if they open the door for what are your, what are your, uh, what do you think about this? I'm still kind of, hear them from their point of view as best as you can without judging. Um, um, a lot of them are, they don't want to go to counseling. They don't um, because it's too tedious. It's too, they don't want to open up and share all that. Um, and definitely uh, there's not too many um, um, mental health uh, organizations that also have veterans in it. And so it's not that they don't uh, believe that anyone that a civilian can't help them, but that civilian does not understand them. That's the biggest thing you'll hear from them. They don't understand me. It's not that you're not credentialed enough or skilled enough, but you don't understand me. So understanding that the military is a whole 
another culture by itself, um, wrapped with its own issues and, and, and problems and, and, and consistencies and all that. And so to have that understanding, um, to be able to be heard um, and not judged, that's really what I, I think if, uh, if you was, if someone's listening now and watching this and saying, how can I help my veteran friend, my veteran family member, just listen to them. Don't push them. Don't you know? Give them the ultimatum. Now there is times when the things, uh, when behaviors um, can look a little. Um, I don't want to say dangerous, but to the point where there's some concern. Yeah. There's there's a there's some concern there, um, and there's hotlines for that and different things like that. But if but for the most part, they just want to be heard. If we can try from that step of just listening, um, and then let if they open up to you, just listen to their stories, just listen to what they they've gone through, um, and not placated. Um, they don't want to. They can understand being placated, um, but just under just listening to. Them. Yeah, I think a lot of us want to be seen and heard, mm -hmm. um, right? Because that suggests that we're worth something. Right, Someone pays attention to us. Right. And you mentioned some of these risk factors, so I'd be remiss if we didn't get into the isolation, the suicide piece mm -hmm. for those people who don't have close support networks, that don't have uh, Auntie Delma to go to her house for the mm -hmm. holidays. Let's talk a little about um, some some of our veterans who are dealing with significant depression, isolation, um, and, and maybe at a point of feeling hopeless and worthless and desperate in their lives. Again, uh, I, I would say to them as one veteran uh, to another, and um, again, um, uh, to be uh, open and vulnerable, uh, I've gone through this myself. Um, and so it's a, it's a daily fight. It's a daily fight. What I found that even in this career field that I'm in now, I found it to be very um, healing to talk to other veterans. Granted, I'm the, I'm the counselor and they're the client, but it's healing to be able to talk to them, to be able to hear them, to be able to be in the, share the same space with another veteran, regardless of if they're in the Army, Air Force, regardless of they're male or female, regardless, uh, another veteran to sit in the same space. Um, so what I would tell veterans is don't allow yourself to be isolated. Isolation is that, is that monster that's trying to pull you down into that quagmire. Um, depression, if you look at it, comes from being depressed, a hole, a pit. Um, and so allow yourself to, to be with somebody, whether it be by phone. And if somebody's listening, um, that's a friend or another a veteran, call that buddy. Just call them and check on them. You know, a simple, hey, how you doing? Um, you good, bro? Um, there's this, you know, you good, sis? Um, you know, check on them and see what they need and see how they are. Um, things like that. That's what I would say. Um, because again, like you said, during this time, suicide rate has lowered, but it's still too high in the veteran population, too high. So those would be my, you know, what I would say with that. Um, so connect to someone. So if mm -hmm. it's, you know, reaching out to people that you served with previously, mm -hmm. yeah. um, seeking mental health support services, crisis line. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also hearing you say to other people, when you see a veteran that is isolated, reach out to them, check right. on them, ask them how they're doing, maybe extend right. an invitation to them um, 
so that they know that they're welcome, they're seen, they're valued. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, you know, you had uh, mentioned earlier just kind of finding where you fit, um, yeah. essentially. Like, so you're coming back in this transition. Um, so it sounds like it also may be helpful for a veteran to get involved in something. You were involved in several organizations. <laughs> so we read your so, bio earlier. So, so, so the reason why, um, as I was going through school to become a counselor, um, I had just gotten out, was a contractor. And so I, I dealt with the same issues. What do I do with my life now? And so I joined everything under the sun um, and still connected to a lot of it. I can't do it as much with them. But there's so many, I know just in our area alone, the Phoenix City, Columbus, Georgia area, there's so many uh, veteran-based or almost all veteran-based organizations that they can help out with. You've got Feeding the Valley Valley with the the, uh, Community Warriors. You've got uh, the Mission Continues. You've got your American Legion. Um, You've got another organization I'm with, uh, uh, supporting our veterans, mentoring our youth. I know uh, Miss Love, she deals with a lot of veterans, helping out with boys to men. There's a whole lot of programs out here where um, a veteran can uh, actually utilize their skills. Um, and it doesn't, you know, a lot of veterans say, well, I can't be around people every day like that. That's okay. Just if you go out just one time and just be able to influence uh, another person. I started off, I was um, at Aaron Cone. Uh, at the DJJ, and I was like, I can't be around these kids like this. I, I can't do this. And I, 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 I had to learn my limitations with that, but I also fell in love with it because I was giving back to youth because now I went past my, my military career and I was looking at, okay, I'm Lewis York growing up in Brooklyn, New York, East Flatbush in the 70s. What does that look like? What does it look like for them? We were the same. We were the same. Just had decades worth of of gap between us, but we were the same. And so pouring back into them. And a lot of times uh, that's what a veteran wants as well. If I can pour back, because I don't know if I still have it. Um, again, mm-hmm. some of the things um, we didn't talk about is the you know, TBI, one of them we talked about, but also the uh, memory issues, the memory mm-hmm. challenges, mm-hmm. having problems with memory mm-hmm. or, or, or other health issues. And so now I feel like um, I, I, I joke with it sometimes, like I'm that, to- that broken toy going to broken toy island. And you're not, you're not. The one thing that you retain, I tell a lot of veterans, is your skill set, your skills, abilities, and capabilities. And you're able to pour back into society in one shape, form, or another. You may be able to do it seven days a week or five days a week, but can you do it at some point? And so what happens is not have you not only have that has that veteran poured back, but now that veteran leaves out of there knowing that I've done something. I've impacted somebody else. No different than when we are out there on the battlefield. I've impacted. I've done something good. That finding the why goes across Mm -hmm. whatever you're dealing with. Whether it's mental, physical, spiritual, financial. You find your why. And that Mm -hmm. gives you a reason for today. And so, I mean, one day at a time. So let me find Mm -hmm. a reason why today get up. Find a reason why I Mm -hmm. matter today. Um, to find something that gives me joy today, find something that gives me meaning and purpose today. And so I'm hearing you say that it matters for us to figure out what our why is. Yeah. And that's what I do with a lot of veterans when I do the initial assessment and we go through the goals. What are your goals for uh, therapeutic uh, work and all that? I I ask them, what is your why? Because your why will always be that anchor point, that ground. 
that you can always go back to. Um, so that way, when you when it feels like you're getting lost, feels like that storm is coming, you go back to that anchor point and your why. Um, and a lot of them, they're like, well, I didn't know I, I, I like that. Well, now you know. And so then you kind of, I kind of work with them and say, okay, we're going to do everything in moderation now. We're not trying to get you out there and now you're exasperated, but do it in moderation. Um, and, and, it, and it helps them. It really helps them. Yeah. Having balance. Because I heard you say mm-hmm. at first, I was like, oh, that's a lot. Um, and over time, I was able to figure out what the balance would look like for me and everybody's balance is going to look a little different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. York, I want to thank you so much for um, sharing your experience. Again, thank you for your service, um, not only to our country to make sure that we were safe, but also to our country to make sure you're pouring back into our veterans. Right now, I appreciate the good work that you're doing. Is there any um, last words, remarks, anything that you want to share with people, other resources that we haven't addressed? Um, No, uh, that's about it. We we do at our agency, we do have a, um, so a lot of veterans, they're also dealing with, rating so um va has changed a lot of things over the past year i think right in the middle of covid um they changed their third party insurance and stuff and so if uh, veterans need help with ratings there's a bunch of agencies out here uh, i got a good friend he's part of vfac um, um then we have wounded warrior project they help out with ratings as well um and then we also have a lady that comes to our agency miss uh, sandra brownlee um, and she does that pro bono. She is not a charge for it. Um, and she helps a lot of veterans. Um, and we're glad we have her on our site because usually when we send veterans out, they never go and- They don't follow through. No, but when we have her right there, we as they're walking out, I kind of skirt them down the hallway to her office. Mm-hmm. And so now you don't have, and they come back and they're like, wow, thank you for pushing me to yeah. go down there. Yeah, um, it, it seems daunting. It does. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. And we have a lot of, uh, we got a few Vietnam War vets um, that is very daunting for them, but there's been a lot of success even with them um, gaining their uh, ratings and stuff like that. So. Tell the people where you work again, sir. So I work at Transformation Counseling Services at 4411 Rosemont Drive in Columbus, Georgia. Um, if you're familiar where St. Francis Hospital it is, we're down the street from St. Francis, around the corner from the okay. Uh, where our CEO and founder is Miss or Dr. Sabrina Lopes. Um, and in our agency, we have one, two, three prior services, including me, our front desk. And um, so we'll be glad to see you. We, we're paneled for a plethora of insurances um, to include Centerstone, which is a, uh, they are contracted with Wounded Warrior uh, MOS, um, VA Optum, uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield, a bunch of them. So come on, uh, come on by and uh, see us. All right. So everybody, you have heard the resources. I've dropped some information in the chat. We want to thank Mr. Lewis York for coming on Tea Time with Dr. Tarver. We're going to be picking up with our December episodes that are going to focus on health and the holidays. So we look forward for you to join us in December uh, as we continue on this wellness journey. Mr. York, you have a happy Thanksgiving. Um, And everybody, the same to you and be well. Thank you.